Well, good morning, Connect Church. My name is Nicole, and Pastor Jay gave me a little ringy-dingy last week and asked me if we would do some praying together, if I could lead us in some prayer. For those of you that maybe have come and missed last week, we're in a church challenge, as it would be, for 21 days. If you've missed it, I'm sure Jay will cue you up on how to get involved. It's never too late to start praying. Um, so if you can just join me for a minute, we want to spend a couple minutes in prayer, maybe a little more than we normally do in between music and the message to prepare our hearts um, in prayer, because that's really what, as a church, we've been concentrating on communicating and talking to God. So you just want to go ahead and bow your heads with me. Lord, I thank you. We thank you for this service. We thank you for all the leaders and the volunteers that come to work every week and day in and day out. Most are unknown and unseen, and we thank you for them that put the service on for us. Lord, I thank you for every person that you've hand-selected to put in this auditorium today. It is no accident that everyone is here for a divine appointment. Lord, I thank you that your timing is perfect, that you know the answer to all our questions, that you already know the outcomes. Lord, I thank you so much that you weep when we weep, that you laugh with us, and that you made us to be with you. Lord, forgive us. We ask for forgiveness for the times that we follow ourselves and not you. When the world and its counterfeit promises lure us away, when we kick you out of the driver's seat of our life instead of entrusting you with the path that you have for us, Lord, I say, not today, Satan. Lord, I love this week's challenge prayer when it said, the problem isn't that God isn't speaking. The problem is we aren't hearing. Lord, I pray that we take a moment right now to sit and to listen and to hear what God is saying to us. Also in that reading today or this week, it said that God uses his people the Bible, and his creation to speak to us. And Lord, God is one of his trusted servants. Our Jay is one of his trusted servants, Lord, that is here today to deliver us special words and a special message. Lord, I pray that each person here, that we listen, that we hear, that we be changed and moved into action by what are you saying to us through him today. Lord, Connect Church, Lord, we are listening to you, and all God's people said, amen. Amen. Thank you, Nicole. It's good to see everyone. If you're new with us, I'm Jay, I'm the lead pastor, and uh, we're so glad to have you here today. And as she was talking about, we've uh, begun this journey together, 21 days, uh, a prayer challenge. And this past week, our focus, our prayer focus for us has been to take a next step in our walk with Jesus, to ask the Lord, what is that next step for me? What is that next step in my walk with him? And I, and I hope you've been asking him that question 
and that you've been praying through that this week as, as we've gone through, uh, this, this would be day seven of this 21 days of prayer. And that's going to look different for all of us. It's going to look different for everybody, but, but it's a question that we need to ask as, as we're going through this series called Walk Worthy in the Freedom of Discipleship. And this idea of, of worthy, we see that word and we think uh, that I've got to live up to some standard, that I've got to be this or that. And that's not necessarily what we're referring to here in, ter- in terms of falling short in that because we're all going to fall short. We're, we're all sinners, right? But walking worthy, meaning more striving to, to be morally, ethically like Jesus, to our, our right thinking by the Lord's standards, And so aiming there can actually bring us freedom. Aiming there brings us freedom because we do have freedom in Christ. But our freedom is not an excuse for sin. And so we're called to imitate Jesus, and that brings this level of expectation uh, to our life. But that actually can lead us to a place of freedom because there is freedom in that. There is freedom in becoming more like Jesus because it brings you freedom from who you were, It also brings you freedom. Jesus brings us freedom from who we are. And it's also freedom in who he is changing us to be. Because if we're walking with Jesus, then we are taking steps toward being more like him. And if you're not walking, right? If you're not taking next steps, then you're not walking. If you don't take a next step, then you're not walking. So you're either standing still if you're not taking a next step, or maybe you're stepping back. Maybe you're falling backwards. And neither of those are God's best for us. And if we are stumbling back, we're probably doing it in isolation by ourselves and not letting anybody in on it. So as we go through this series, as we go through today, I'm going to keep putting this statement in front of us because I think it's important to continue to, to ask ourselves if this is us. If I'm, am I taking a next step? Because if I'm not, I'm not walking with Jesus. And so what does my next step look like? Because remember, the enemy does not want you to continue to take next steps, right? The enemy doesn't want you. Nicole prayed to that, to that end. Not today, Satan. We are taking next steps with Jesus today. And we need to say that literally every day because every day he's going to find a way to get you to stop taking next steps so that you can't walk worthy to the calling that Jesus has on your life. But he does. He wants you to walk worthy in the calling that he has for you. And he doesn't want you to hear this today. He doesn't want you to hear this message today because he might want you to get mad at some of the things that I'm gonna say today because today's a little bit of a tough one. So here's a little bit of your warning. He may want you to get your feathers ruffled. There may be a few things that I say today that you're like, "Mm." but why don't we let the Holy Spirit work in our life? And why don't we let the truth of the scriptures speak for themselves? And so that's what we're going to do today. And so as I said, this is going to be a little bit of a tough one maybe for some of us. But the Lord's put some tough stuff on my heart today. So I hope that you hear my heart and you hear the word of God and that the word of God challenges us to walk worthy. You know, the early church in in the passage we're going to look at today was engaged in um, something that is one of our favorite indoor sports, and that is... Uh, trying to change each other. We're really good at that. We love to play that game, right? Instead of letting the Lord make the change in me or the Lord make the change in you, we feel like we've got to help you along 
in that way. And there's just something inside each one of us that wants us to change those that are around us, isn't there? And why is that? What is it that makes us want everyone to see it my way and to conform to my way of, of doing things, my opinions, my perspectives on this or that? Yes, the short answer, I suppose, is sin, and it is, but, but I want to drill a little deeper on that. I want to drill down, and there, and there are some possible reasons, but I want to give you two. Two possible reasons. One would be depravity, and depravity, you're probably like, I don't know what that word means, and that's fine. I'm going to tell you what that word means. This is a, a, a pastor nerdy theological word that is basically defined as moral corruption or wickedness, right? We are all morally corrupt and we are all wicked. We are all sinners, which also this relates to the theological position of the fall of man, the fall of sin. So we are all depraved. We're all in a state of depravity and we need Jesus because we are all sinners. And so this idea is certainly one of the reasons. See, it began with Lucifer. And if you really think about this, Lucifer, right? He wanted to be like God. He wanted to be like God, and, and he passed that desire on to Eve. And he suggests to her to want to be like God. And so I'm going to suggest to you that you need to eat from this forbidden fruit so that you can be like God. And so there's something depraved in her and in Adam because of that, because they fell, that then passes on to us because we all go back to them. And so what really passes on to us, and maybe you didn't think about it this way, is being godlike. That we have this desire to be godlike deep down, and it's because of our depravity. And this desire to create people, hear this, to create people in our own image. And so we have this place of depravity where we want to see things happen our way. The other reason, there's a second reason, and there's more, would be misery. Misery. And here's what I mean by misery. I want people to see things my way because a lot of times I'm miserable. And if I'm miserable, then I want others to be miserable too. So instead of saying, let the Lord guide you, let him work in you and give you direction, I say, well, no. If I can't do a certain thing, then I want to make sure you can't either. How weird are we when we're at restaurants sometimes and you get something that's like not good at all and it's like totally disgusting and you take a bite of something and you're like, oh, this is gross. Try it. <laughs> Why do we do that? But we've all done it, right? Like, Ugh, what is it? Tr try this. If it's gross, why are you asking me to try it? <laughs> if you love me, right? Why are you being like, here, this tastes like absolute vomit. Put it in your mouth. No, stop. But we do that, right? And that's a funny example. But don't we do that in so many other things in life? Right? Either way, whether it's depravity, whether it's misery, whether it's other things. Because yeah, you could put up a whole, whole other list of reasons. We have this tendency to want other people to conform to our image. Which is why Christians, that we are forever engaged in controversy. Because we know God. And his story is now part of our story. And so because of that, because his story is a part of our story, we understand more about the human condition and that creates friction in our lives because we aren't perfect, but we know the one who is. And so then we feel obligated to be the judge and the jury instead of the witness that we're called to be. And then we put those moral standards onto others 
that have not yet made the decision or maybe in a different place in their journey, an earlier place in their journey with Jesus. And so we're all struggling in this area deep down. And we know that we are. And so are we fighting those tendencies? Are we even trying to push back against that? Are we recognizing that? That's a little bit of what today is about because really it is a significant inner battle. It's a significant inner battle for all of us that we have to recognize, which is why Paul wrote about it in his class called Applied Christianity 101 that we call Romans 12, 13, and 14. And there's more in in Romans for that. But those are the sections that we've kind of camped out in last week and this week. And so turn to Romans 14. And I'm going to give you a little bit of homework right now because we're not going to read the whole chapter of Romans 14, but I want to encourage you to do that at some point, to read all of Romans 14. I want to start right at the beginning, and I want you to see some things in, in regards to all of this. Here's what it says. Welcome anyone who is weak in faith, but don't argue about disputed matters. One person believes he may may eat anything, while one who is weak eats only vegetables. One who eats must not look down on one who does not eat, and one who does not eat must not judge one who does, because God has accepted him. You may think, like, there's some weird stuff in there. I'm going to explain it to you. See, our status in Christ doesn't give us any extra measure of judgment to apply to other believers. Your status in in Jesus, where you are with Jesus, doesn't give you any more right over anyone else or any other believer. Spiritual maturity is really difficult to measure. It's really difficult to measure in other people. You you know, I mean, you're not looking at somebody and going, oh, well, they're, they're, they're only a four. You know, like, based on what? You know? As individuals, we even struggle to identify that within ourselves. And so Paul's saying that those who are weak in the faith should not be kicked to the curb. Now, they certainly shouldn't be thrust into leadership, and we know that in 1 Timothy 3. There's some pretty clear things there. But we also shouldn't write them off. And these are words we need to take seriously. Paul warns us to not make spiritual maturity a requirement for being within the fellowship of faith. That's not a requirement. And we need to distinguish between somebody who is weak and someone who is rebellious because there's a difference. And when you look at this passage, you see both. See, I'm going to say something here that may sound a little bit different to you right at first, but I want you to really think it through. There's more gray area in the Bible in regards to our conduct than we want to believe. There is. Generally, we want to try to do and say that if it's wrong for me, then it's wrong for you. And it's wrong for everyone. And then we criticize, even though God's grace and God's forgiveness is for everyone, and no sin is too big, absolutely. But there are some things that we dub as sin that may not be sin to other people. And God has room for everyone. And I know we're like squirming maybe a little bit here on this, but just stick with me. Because those who we might think shouldn't be in the fold because of stuff that is trivial, stuff that we make a bigger deal out of than we should, this attitude has hurt the church, I'm going to say in the last 25 plus years, and pushed people away from the church in our current society because of that attitude. And so that's why I I feel so called to talk about it today. Because Romans 14 really takes us there. In Romans 14, the church was arguing, and I'm not kidding, you can go back and read it, they were arguing over who was eating what. 
meat or veggies? That's what they were arguing over. Now, some people, let's dig a little deeper on this because we gotta remember who this was written to, when and how and why. And so this was written, you know, first century, Rome. And so there are some traditions with Jewish people and it's a new thing for people who aren't Jewish to be brought into the fold of faith. This is still a new thing for the early church. And so Gentiles, which would be us, are being brought in and there's Gentiles that are eating meat and eating certain meats that were sacrificed to pagan idols. And, and some other people, some Jewish people were like, no, you can't eat that. And they're like, but I like steak. And I didn't even know this was sacrificed to an idol, and I don't really care. This cow's going bad. You know? Maybe it needs to age or something, but that's a whole separate thing. Talk to Trav about that. But, but the thing is, like, these people were, like, freaking out over this. Some people had a personal conviction about it because it was sacrificed to, others, uh, to idols, and others did not. And they weren't being rebellious. They either didn't know or didn't care. It didn't really matter to them. And Paul is saying, it, God is good with either or here in this particular one. He loves both people because neither are making the choice in rebellion to God. And so I want you to notice something here. Paul is actually saying that the stricter person, the person that's being more strict, they're actually the weaker person in this scenario. It wasn't that they were weaker in their Christian life because of what they ate or what they didn't eat but they were weaker because of their legalistic attitude and their lack of love towards others. See, our status in Christ doesn't give us an extra measure of judgment to apply to other believers. It doesn't give us an extra measure of judgment. God has room for every level of believer. And any attempt to exclude people from the fold of, of faith over trivial things that don't actually matter in their walk is actually gonna fail to meet God's approval. Each believer belongs to God. And, and it's out of place for any of us to question or judge the decisions of another in things that are not central to the faith. Let me tell you this story from 2011. I'll never forget this. So in 2012, I took uh, 30 teenagers um, to the UK. Um, and we went on, on this trip, and Travis and, and, uh, and his sister Morgan were, uh, were on that trip with me as students. Um, and so we, we went in 2012 and we ran a youth camp. Um, and they were all the, the leaders of the youth camp. And it was an awesome trip, awesome trip. Well, in 2011, I went to scout it. I went to, to go there so that I could look at the parents who I'm taking to the other side of the planet and go, I've been there, they're gonna be safe, it's fine. And so I went and checked it all out. And so I went to the camp the year before. And while I'm at the camp, the day the camp was gonna start, the students were about to arrive from the UK that were there that were coming to this camp. And I was with the staff, uh, the, the lift staff, because uh, it was called Lift Camp. Um, and the staff was made up of some Americans and some from the UK, anywhere between like 18 and 21, somewhere in there with some of them. So young adults, right? And, and we're all in a circle. And I'm holding hand, you know, and uh, one, of the, one of the leaders, the guy that was the speaker for the week, he's on this side of me. And the guy that was running the camp, Dan, he was on this side of me. And there, we were holding hands. And they said, we're all going to go around and say a one-sentence prayer for the camp before the students arrive. I'm like, this is cool. So everybody on staff is going around and praying, you know, Lord, I pray kids get saved this week, you know, what, all those things, you know, be with all the logistics, pray nobody gets hurt. You know, everybody's saying a one-sentence prayer, and we go around, and we get to this one particular kid who's 18, 19, 
and he's from the UK, and he prays, and he says, and I'm not going to say the word, but he says, Lord, I pray this week is bad A, and, and that many kids come to know you as Savior, and that's his prayer, and it goes, and I'm like, Burr? you know, <laughs> like, like a dog would, you know what I mean? It's like confused, and I feel Dan next to me squeeze my hand, and so I'm like, okay, you know, now, I'd been youth pastor for like five years. I'm still young in my ministry and, you know, figuring some things out and all of that. And, and so he prays this prayer, and, and we're going around. I come to find out he had only been saved for maybe a year and a half, something like that. Still new in his faith, but excited to, to be at this camp and share Jesus. And so as soon as we're done with the prayer, Dan kind of keeps holding my hand and pulls, me, and pulls me back, you know. And he's like, Jay. And, and I said, yeah, whoa, what was that? come to find out, that's actually not a swear word over there. For them, like, that's not a swear word. And so this wasn't even like, he didn't even, it wasn't even a big deal to him in the moment, right? And I had to take a step back and have a conversation because of my instant judgment. He was just expressing his heart to the Lord for what he wanted to see happen during that camp. Now, if that was one of my students, if we were in that circle and that was Trav, yeah, we would have had a conversation, you know? But, like, there was a moral standard that we had coming from America that my students were aware of, that we live by, understand culturally in a different way. You can't find a list of swear words in the scriptures. It wasn't even written in English. That's not freedom to just go, like, cuss your brains out, okay? But still, that word over there, that phrase, let's keep reading. Verse 5 through 10. This is a big chunk. It says, One person judges one day to be more important than another day. Someone else judges every day to be the same. Let each one be fully convinced in his own mind. Whoever observes the day observes it for the honor of the Lord. Whoever eats, eats for the Lord, since he gives thanks to God. And whoever does not eat, it is for the Lord that he does not eat it. And he gives thanks to God, for none of us lives for himself, and no one dies for himself. If we live, we live for the Lord. And if we die, we die for the Lord. Therefore, whether we live or die, we belong to the Lord. Christ died and returned to life for this, that he might be Lord over both the dead and the living. But you, why do you judge your brother or sister? Or you, why do you despise your brother or sister? For we will all stand before the judgment seat of God. You know, there's a lot of useless, harmful division among Christians over silly, bigoted things. That's just true. And Paul isn't telling these Christians to erase their differences. What he's actually saying is to rise above them as Christian brothers and sisters to walk worthy. And we need to understand that striving to walk worthy, it's not about your definition of worthy. It's about his. It's not about my definition of worthy. It's about his. See, if our behaviors were the definition of being worthy enough to follow Jesus, then God would have never accepted you and he would have never accepted me. Praise God that he did. And see, when God changes your heart, the behaviors will follow. Some of us in here have been saved for a long time and you can attest to this. I would hope and pray that you are not the same person now that you were when you got saved. That when you first gave your life to Jesus, that you've taken more than maybe just two steps. And that you can actually speak to this and testify to this. Because if you can't, I would actually wonder if you really gave your life to Jesus. 
because when our heart changes and, and we start aiming to be more like Jesus, our behaviors have no choice but to change and follow into what the Holy Spirit is telling us we need to do or not do. See, the process of walking with the Lord is going to impact your behaviors. And there's certainly some clear moral behaviors in the Bible that the Bible is explicit about. Absolutely, right? Killing, stealing, greed, lying, gossip, pride, adultery. There's some really clear things, right? Sexuality in our world today is a gray area. It's really crystal clear in the Bible. Really crystal clear in Romans chapter 1. So there are some, there are some things there that are very clear, but you know what? As, as we follow Jesus, the fruits of the Spirit begin to show up more and more in our life. And that's not an overnight thing. That's a thing that maybe takes some time. And if you know the fruits of the Spirit, as you're giving your life to Jesus and following him, what's going to be produced? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. You're going to see those things show up in your life. And I want you also to know this. There's no timeline on this. Your timeline is not the same as my timeline. In fact, there is no timeline on it. Because it's not like God is saying, you know what, within five years of being a Christian, you better be at level seven. You better, you, like, you better be right there. What does that even mean? See, we're all working through some of these things, and we're all at different stages of it. And there are some things that are veggies versus burgers that we turn into moral Christian value issues that really aren't. And we try to be judge and jury instead of being his witness. Like I said, there's more gray area in scripture than we want to admit. But there's some big ones that would be things like that, that, are, that are called out now in some churches and other churches. Things like tattoos. Things like piercings. Things like alcohol. I'll tell you a story about myself in one of these. Jay does not drink. Jay has never drank. I've never had a sip of anything, not a drop. And it's not because of my faith. That's not why. That's not why. Listen, I went to art school. <laughs> I had every chance in the world for all kinds of things, right? Let me tell you why. For me, and I'll try to keep this short. My grandfather... Um, is actually the reason. And I watched him die of liver cancer. And he had a tumor on his side that was a size of an NFL football that was protruding from his side toward the end of his life. And that went all the way back to him being an alcoholic when he was, you know, in his 20s, 30s, something like that. And I watched that happen when I was 14. And I watched what it did to my mom and, and my aunts and my family and how hard that was on them and all of the medical issues that he had in the majority of my life. He was in the hospital, it seemed like, every once a year for a surgery is how it felt. And I remember at this Thanksgiving meal where the whole family was together for, I think, the last time with Poppy. And that was the time. And, you know, he's sitting in a wheelchair and he's missing half his leg from here down because of all the bypasses he's had and all of this stuff. And I just said, I'm never drinking because if there's any ounce of an alcoholic inside of me, I don't ever want to find him. But that's me. That's my personal conviction on that. I didn't say that because the Bible says thou shalt not ever have a sip of anything because it doesn't say that. That's my own personal conviction. And unfortunately, later, 
a little bit later, I took that perspective and I applied it to my faith in the wrong kind of worthy. And I thought I was making me more worthy and actually for a while, it turned me into a legalistic jerk toward alcohol and toward anybody that touched it. And see, the Bible only says to not drink to get drunk. Don't, don't get drunk. It clearly says that. But you know what? Jesus drank wine at the Last Supper. His first miracle was water into wine. Was it real wine? Yes, it was real wine. It wasn't Welch's. <laughs> All right? But here's what I was doing. I was taking a personal conviction. The reason I tell that story is to not talk about social drinking or not. That's not my point. I was taking a personal conviction, which is fine. And that's fine for me to have that personal conviction. But I was twisting it into a religious rite. And then I was judging others accordingly. And that was wrong. That was wrong of me to do that. It was wrong of me to act that way and to have that attitude. And see, giving up our desire to judge, that's a difficult thing to do. Because there's something within each one of us we feel compelled to have a position on everything and everyone, right? We, I, I have to take a stand on this or that. I have to have a position on it. And we may not explicitly say we're judging others, but our attitudes and our behaviors often reflect something different. When we learn to turn over judgment to Jesus alone, we are set free as the Bible intends for us to be united in community with others who are also being transformed because that is what Jesus intends for us to be united with others in community that are being transformed at different levels. This is what Jesus did. Remember, Jesus hung out with sinners. Absolutely he did, but you know what he didn't do? He didn't sin with sinners. There is a difference, and we need to know that. But you know what? I'm a sinner, and so are you. Romans 14, 11 through 12 it says, For it is written, As I live, says the Lord, every knee will bow to me, every tongue will give praise to God. So then each of us will give an account of himself to God. You know, sometimes we need reminded that we are going to answer to God, not to Christians. 2 Corinthians 5, Paul says this, for we must all stand before Christ to be judged. We will each receive whatever we deserve for the good or evil that we have done in this earthly body. He's reiterating the same thing. You see, in judging, in judging, despising others, we're, we're actually taking on a position that is only God's. He's going to pronounce his judgment over every believer's status, over every believer's actions, over everything that we do. And as it says here, we're going to receive whatever we deserve for the good or evil that we have done in this earthly body. See, Paul gets into this right here and he gets into it a bit more actually in 1 Corinthians chapter 10 as he's writing to the church in Corinth who are really struggling with some of these concepts but but even more so and so he wrote about what we refer to as Christian liberty and I want to I want to look at this for just a quick second Christian liberty in in 1 Corinthians 10 verse 23 says everything is permissible but not everything is beneficial everything is permissible but not everything builds up no one is to seek his own good, but the good of the other person. See, this is the proper warning about taking this freedom too far because what we're talking about, and because you might be like, well, Jay, we're, we're, how far are we going with this? Okay, you could take that way too far. 
You could take that, that Christian liberty idea to the complete other side because this is basically Paul's way of saying just because you can doesn't mean you should. That's exactly what he's saying here. Can I go here? Can I go there? Can I do this? Can I do that? Well, let's, let's look at what the scriptures say. Sorry, this is back too far. Is it building you up? Not everything builds up. See, not everything builds up. Is it building you toward walking worthy with the Lord and with others? You might have to do some good old discernment and decision making on your own. The Lord doesn't always give us every single thing in pure black and white, clear as crystal. He does the stuff that really, really matters. But there are some things that we just need to make our own decision on. And if you want a list of the you can do this or you can't do that, especially in a world, in a planet that is filled with how many different cultures, you're not going to find the definitive list you're looking for. But you know what you will find in the Word of God? You will find wisdom. You will find the wisdom of God from spending time in His Word, and you're also going to find grace and mercy at His feet in prayer. And you're going to find wisdom there as well. Let's keep reading. Jump down to verse 29. It says, I don't mean your own conscience, but the other person's. For why is my freedom judged by, any, uh, by another person's conscience? If I partake with thanksgiving, why am I criticized? Because of something for which I give thanks. So whether you eat or drink, whatever you do, do everything for the glory of God. Give no offense to Jews or Greeks or the church of God. Just as I also try to please everyone and everything, here it is, not seeking my own benefit, but the benefit of many so that they may be saved. So you have the right to do this or that. But what will it do to your brother or sister in Christ? What could it do to your brother and sister? Does it even affect you? It may not even affect you personally, but will someone else's faith be compromised of what you do or don't do? We have to ask ourselves these questions. Will someone else's faith be compromised because of what you judge or don't judge? Let me ask you this. How well do you think that student would have served the Lord at camp back in 2011 when he swore, my version of swear, in, in his prayer how well do you think he would have served the Lord if I would have pulled him aside and ripped him a new one? He was on fire for Jesus. And I would argue that God was actually honoring his prayer more than mine. In fact, I know that. And he's an awesome dude. And he had a great week. And he led a couple kids to the Lord that week. But if I would have pulled him aside for swearing in his prayer, especially my version of swearing, here's the thing. He wouldn't have even known what he did wrong. Did he do anything wrong? You know, we started this challenge last week. We began praying, and we're going to continue praying. This 21 days of prayer challenge. And if you haven't jumped on yet, you can certainly do, uh, do that. We're only seven days in. We'd love to have you be a part of that. Um, you can pick one up at the orange wall. Um, on your way out, you can jump on the Bible app. You can go on our website, and you can get links to all of it if you want to print one out for yourself or if you want to just follow along on the Bible app. That's what I'm doing. And we had a prayer focus uh, as a church last week. And our prayer focus this week, which is also kind of continuing our walk with Jesus, prayer focus is this. Jesus, help me to take a next step in my walk by having a heart for others. 
And you can see how this ties into what we're talking about today. So yeah, we, we need to obey the commands of Jesus, absolutely, but we need to serve and love our neighbors, and we need to seek to value people, right? All people matter to God and therefore matter to us. That's one of our core values, and it's one of God's core values. When we treat others as we treat ourselves, we realize that people have the same needs as us, and every person matters and has an unfinished story. Every person here has an unfinished story in your walk with God. And every person you're going to meet has an unfinished story in their walk with God. They may be right at that very first step. They maybe haven't even taken it yet. See, to Christ, we are significant. You are so significant. I am so significant. All people are so significant that he sent his son to die a painful, awful death for you and for me, regardless of where you are in your walk with him. He came and died and he rose from the grave for you. That's how significant you are to him. And when we live from a perspective that God alone is the final judge, the final judge of a person's growth, and we're actually gonna be open to, to God allowing us to, to help to lead others and push people toward him. See, we have to be willing to accept that God is transforming all of his followers in different ways and at a different speed. The transformation, it might have the same end point, and it should have the same end point, but the path along the way is gonna be different for each person according to what is needed. Your path and your journey looks different than mine. It looks different than the person next to you. We have to be patient with one another. I'm so thankful God was patient with me and is still patient with me. We have to be patient, patient with each other. We have to be open to God's leading and we have to allow God to be the final judge, both for ourselves and for others. So the connection point for the day is that everyone is in a different place in their walk with Jesus. So love people where they are. Love people where they are. See, Jesus loves them and Jesus loves you right where you are, but he loves you too much to let you stay there. And that's why we're continuing to take steps and next steps and walk with him. If you're walking with the Lord, then by default, you won't stay in the same place. You'll keep moving forward. If you're walking with the Lord, even if it's one step at a time, and if all you take is one step, then that's at least progress. You took one step. Could you take two? And for me to judge you because you've only taken two, that's not really my place. I can help guide and direct and shepherd and lead. Absolutely, that's my calling. But there's a difference in shepherding and leading and condemning and criticizing. This is a simple idea today, but it's, it's hard to live out. Your, your pace, where you are on the road, it's gonna look different and that's okay. That's awesome, in fact. That's how we know this is a relationship with Jesus. I hope that maybe this idea was something you were aware of. I think it's good that we get reminded of this for us to continue to move forward. Believers are, are all at different places in their journey with Jesus. And, and Paul's wanting us to be gracious and to be patient with one another. Considering each other as brothers and sisters to support, not to critique. 
bow your heads with me? You know, the reality is that some of us, some of us in here might need to repent of some attitudes and perspectives from the past that we put on others in their faith. I had to. Gracious, there's still times I need to. On the other side of that, you might be a victim of this. Someone in the church might have hurt, might have hurt you, might have turned a veggie tray into a wall up in front of you into a closed door slammed in your face. Please remember, please remember that that was people and not God. People mess up. Let's give grace. Let's give forgiveness. Because you know what? You've received grace and you've received forgiveness. And so if we're going to walk worthy, we need to remember that our brother and sister is walking as well. Their steps might be smaller. They might be different but we're all attempting to go the same way. And this is a perspective that's actually going to help us reach more people with the good news of Jesus. That's why Paul talked about it in the way, in the way that he did. He's like, guys, this is getting in the way of the mission. And we can't let petty stuff like this get in the way of the mission. It's too important. Eternity's at stake. Father, I thank you so much for your word. I thank you for the truth of it. I thank you for your grace and your mercy on me and for all of us. I thank you that you are the final judge. And I thank you that our journey of faith is exactly that. Lord, it's a journey. It's a walk with you. Sometimes we get off the path. Sometimes we don't take a whole lot of steps and we should be but you're patient and you're loving and you're gracious. Help us to support our brothers and sisters in Christ, to love people where they are. But Lord, you love us too much to let us stay there. Let us remember our place and your place in all of it. Father, if there's someone here that doesn't know you, maybe they've been hurt, they've felt hurt, that there's been damage. Holy Spirit, I pray you would continue to move through this place and that they would see find and feel forgiveness and grace and give their life to you because that's the only way for us to find freedom is really to surrender. Jesus, I pray you just continue to move through this place in your name. Amen.